For decades, the picture of financial planning looked like this. Work hard and save your money. And eventually, you'll be able to afford a house and a comfortable retirement. But for many young Canadians, that picture is starting to look very different. Back in the day, yeah, you could get a house and everything, but you could put that same amount of work in, like right now, and you would not be able to get a house. You might be able to pay for some apartment months and some food, and that's about it. With all that hard work, it's you don't really see much for it these days. Welcome to The Great Disconnect, a podcast series from the Manitoba Financial Services Agency. This season, we'll talk about the financial obstacles facing young Canadians, and we'll dig into some of the ways they can take back control. I'm Ainsley Cunningham, Manager of Education and Communications with the Manitoba Financial Services Agency. In this podcast, we're exploring the factors shaping young people's financial future, from the basics of financial planning to the technology shaping the new financial landscape. But this episode is devoted to the single biggest expense most people face. It's really disheartening. 29-year-old Patty Tracy has been house hunting for nearly two years, even with a six-figure... For many young Canadians, home ownership is an important milestone. But for almost as many, it's farther out of reach than ever. New research from RBC shows that buying a home in Canada has never been so unaffordable. For more and that includes people like Caressa. Caressa sees owning property as part of a stable financial future. I think that owning property is important in regards to building generational wealth. So I think about it that way and also just having you know, knowing that I have a place to live, like when I retire, that I won't at that, like when I'm elderly, have to worry about, you know, increases in rent and budgeting and that kind of thing to to own a home outright, um, I think is important to me for, for the future. But the high cost of rent makes saving for that future difficult. I'm, I'm currently renting. Um, yeah, rent, rental costs, especially in the city here are are quite high. So as much as I would like to save to potentially buy a property, that has been challenging. Others, like Destiny, say the high cost of housing means the trade-off is not worth the price. Um, I currently own my own house. My mom deceased in 2020, so the mortgage is paid off. But between that, there was loans and liens and a lot of different aspects of financial burdens and aspects of inflation and all that i've decided to go for more of a nomad lifestyle i plan on getting a camper and a truck and selling or renting or subdividing my property so that's become more of a goal for me than settling down into apartment that i'm going to be paying for for the rest of my life or i know too many people um that are in later years of their age they have plenty of money could go on vacations travel for the rest of their lifetime but the goal of needing to go to school or work has overcome the one of happiness. So they're rich, but they're not happy. And I would personally rather be at this age and be happy with a small amount of money than to be at that age with a large amount of money being completely miserable in a nice house. Whether they're renting or owning a home, the high cost of housing plays a central role in many young people's financial plans. Let's look at just how different the situation is for young people today compared to their parents. In 1976, when many baby boomers were coming into adulthood, it took five years to save a 20% down payment in many Canadian cities. For a millennial, 
it's more like 14 years, and in places like Vancouver, 28 years. The average home price in Canada is now seven times the average household income. I think that the growing gap between home prices and the earnings that young people are making today, even if they are lucky enough to land full-time jobs with benefits and maybe some kind of defined contribution pension, they're still falling behind in the housing market because we've tolerated this relentless increase in home prices. This is Paul Kershaw. I'm a professor in the UBC School of Population and Public Health and founder of Generation Squeeze. And Gen Squeeze is a force for generational fairness. We're Canada's leading organization fighting for generational fairness as a way to ensure that Canada works for all generations by investing in well-being from the early years onward. In his work as a professor, Kershaw has seen how much of an issue housing has become. I run a graduate program at the University of BC. And so September is always an exciting year at a university, pardon me, a time of year at a university. And what scares me so much now is that it's becoming increasingly the norm that for people to go to grad school, they end up having to rely on a food bank or a homeless shelter. I'm only 20 years from finishing my PhD. I can tell you about how I had a $400 per week budget back in the end. I guess I should inflation adjust it. And I monitored my food and went, but you could make a go. Like I didn't have to go to a homeless shelter or to rely on a food bank to be a student full time. More and more, that's not the case. But Kershaw started Generation Squeeze because he saw a broader problem being created by the lower relative earnings and higher housing costs facing young Canadians. Homeowners like me get lovely wealth windfalls while I'm sleeping and watching TV and cooking. But everybody else has their hard work pay off less because they their earnings fall further behind their major cost of living. And right now we're in a moment where we're talking about inflation. But what's so ironic to me about that is we're talking about it because there's inflation in energy prices, there's inflation in food prices. And these have, you know, these are driven in no small part between like the disruptions from the pandemic and you know, war in Ukraine. But we've had housing inflation for literally at least two decades in a very dramatic way, if not more. And that is where the standard of living is just being crushed. That is what is eroding the payoff from hard work. For some young people, relying on family is one way to offset rising housing costs. A 2021 report by CIBC found that 30% of Canadians received family help toward purchasing a home. The average gift was $82,000 and higher in places like Vancouver. You will see that, you know, people who are younger, their attachment to somebody who is a homeowner is in no small part a way that they are trying to like make the dysfunctional system a little bit better for them. And so then within a generation, especially in some of our bigger cities from coast to coast, if you have access to an older family member who's willing to support you with some of the equity they'd gained from their housing to help you get a start, then you might then get into the housing system. Um, You'll be infantilized. Everyone will talk about the bank of mom and dad and they'll make you seem like you're a lazy millennial. Um, But nevertheless, you will have had a chance to get into the market. And to the degree that the housing market has actually been really rewarding homeowners, that then creates wealth inequality in between members of the millennial generation or Gen Z. Or in my case, I'm a Gen Xer, and I definitely have been doing well as a homeowner in Metro Vancouver. Um, Last year alone, my home went up by half a million dollars. I've been a professor at the University of BC for 18 years. I'm privileged enough to have a defined contribution pension to which I contribute and my employer contributes. We've done so for 18 years. And in that 18 years, we have saved, I have saved half a million dollars. 
housing did for me in one year, what 18 years of hard work by a decently paid professor has done. That's a problem. And that just creates inequalities within generations. And it certainly is creating an intergenerational tension. Those inequalities mean that the proportion of young people who are homeowners is declining. The increase in costs of housing is also forcing young Canadians to get creative. Living with a roommate is the fastest growing living arrangement for Canadians under 35. 15% of people in this age range have roommates, according to Stats Canada, while 35% of Canadians under 35 live with their parents. But the impact goes beyond the short term. Just remember on that housing side, one of the things that property ownership gives you, and uh, yes, it gives you a place that you can be in long term and build and 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 build around yourself. Yes, it gives you um, some equity, which you can then use later in your life to, to help yourself financially. What it also gives you is the most reliable form of rent control possible. Because your landlord's not going to jack up your rents on you if you're your own landlord. So my name is Sean Gobi. I'm an assistant professor at the University of Waterloo in the School of Environment, Enterprise and Development, where I teach and research on social innovation, uh, social finance, and social enterprise. Gobi says whether one is able to access the property market or is priced out of it, there are long-term implications for one's financial well-being. If you need to always get at least 5% down payment, so for a $200,000 house, we are now talking about $10,000. If you're coming to the table with nothing, you're starting at zero, it's gonna take you a while. It, it might take you, you know, you can have a relatively aggressive saving on a decent income. It could take you five or 10 years uh, to be able to pull together that amount of money. Now imagine you're, compare that person without any money coming into it with someone who's able to cover the cost of a down payment uh, with money from their parents. Okay, so that say ten thousand dollars. Okay, in the uh, maybe five years it takes the person without parental support to get ten thousand dollars. We've now looked at the property market, maybe doubling. So now it costs them twenty thousand dollars. What does that mean for the person who did have that down payment support at the beginning? Well, with that ten thousand um, dollars, it meant that. Instead of that property that they bought, that $200,000 house, um, becoming just a little bit more out of reach, it meant that the entire gain of the value of that property, add to that the entire time that the person who started at zero has been saving up for their down payment, well, what's happened to their home expenses? Well, it's all rental income, so it disappears. They don't see any benefit for it. The person who's paying off a mortgage is building up equity, is building up more financial security, um, and is probably, you know, uh, even off the same income, is going to be able to live a better lifestyle. Um, so with that down payment support, they're able to live a better lifestyle right now because they don't have to put a, the extra money into building up a down payment. They're also going to be... Uh, earning the appreciation and value of the property, which in the past few years uh, has often been more than what someone is going to be making at their job. Um, and is just going to be so much farther ahead, five or 10 years down the road. And that's, and that's a gap that really cannot just be 
um, waved away as, oh, that's a minor difference that people start with. No, no, but we're talking about a financial difference of literally decades of work in people's lives. Gobi says this doesn't mean jumping into home ownership is the right financial decision for everyone. In markets where property values may decline, it might not make sense to lock in an expensive mortgage. And young people who are moving between cities for work may not want to be tied down by a house. But for those who do want to buy a home, working toward that goal, with the support of government policies, can help build a solid financial future. I think it's also important to consider if there might be other options for property ownership beyond what we're traditionally uh, used to, you know, the single detached house or, or the condo. Is there a way that you can get into a housing cooperative? Um, much lower barriers to entry still lets you uh, still lets you have um, some equity built in your property, um, but you also get to share the cost collectively and maybe even uh, have the benefits of being part of a, a broader community. I don't necessarily think that buying a house immediately is the right call for everyone, um, but I do think that if you are looking to do those things and you know right now might not be the moment to do it in a more traditional way. There might be some untraditional ways, some unconventional ways um, that at least bring you down that path or open up some possibilities as well. And making sure that, um, you know, more broadly, a good labor market, good social safety nets, uh, good wages and good worker protections uh, help young people be able to pay for the housing they have when they are in the labor market. That first rung is where people fall off. And we need affordable housing. We need affordable rental housing for people to be able to get on that first rung. Um, and if we also can have property ownership that is relatively low cost to get into, which is which is often a place where housing co-ops uh, work really well, then that also can help people on that first rung too. Either way, Experts say young Canadians can't solve the challenge of housing affordability on their own. Which is why people who are in the generation that benefited from the increase in housing prices, as well as the generation of people who feel priced out, need to remember that everyone benefits from young Canadians being able to plan for a place to call home. I have to say, sometimes, tends to be more often angry older men send me nasty emails but I have to have had a lot of actually lovely older women reaching out and saying I'm really worried about my legacy and so in particular I know there are many great grandfathers out there but I hold out hope for great grandmothers to uh, who are articulating like I want it better for my kids and grandchildren not to mention they'd like their grandchildren to live within, in reach of like walking or driving or a bus ride rather than a plane ride and so they have all that reason to try and help fix the housing system so that their kids and grandchildren can live nearby. That's it for this episode of The Great Disconnect. Thanks for listening. Next time on the podcast, we'll hear about how young people are planning for the long term amid the financial turbulence of the present day. Traditionally, uh, with previous generations, we saw a lot of pension plans done by uh, someone's employer, um, whether that was a matching plan or a plan that the, the employer did. Um, but what we're tending to see now um, is that that's just not happening as much. Um, I think it could be a combination of um, uh, companies just aren't offering those. Um, they can be costly and, and tough to manage. Uh, and then a combination of, I think we're seeing a lot of young people um, becoming self-employed, contract working, um, so therefore they, they uh, don't have an 
employer to set those up for them. So that means then um, that the individual really needs to take that on themselves. That's next time on The Great Disconnect. 